0: Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about redundant phrases and a meaty middle about how to write a good letter of recommendation. And this is a milestone episode. It's Grammar Girl episode number 500. Can you believe it? So, to celebrate, I have some special listener stories to share at the end. And now, on to purging redundancy. When you're writing an essay, The point, typically, is to sound smart while proving your arguments. But sometimes, in an effort to come across intelligently, writers take a deep dive into redundancy. Paying a little extra attention to the words you use can make a big difference in creating a polished essay. Take a more critical look at your writing to find unnecessary words. Often, the phrasing will sound natural at first, but once you pause and think about it, you'll realize you're using more words than are needed. Here are a couple of examples. The word currently is often unnecessary or redundant. Similar offenders are right now, at this point, at the moment, or even just now. These phrases are often part of a sentence that's already written in the present tense. For example, you might be tempted to write, At this moment, the U.S. Supreme Court is considering whether it will hear the appeal. But you don't need the phrase, at this moment. By saying the court is considering something, the reader knows it's happening at this moment. And in fact, it's probably taking longer than a moment. In another example, you might be tempted to say, right now, there's currently no wait list for the program. But you don't need right now or currently. It's triple redundancy, because there is no wait list, covers the ideas of both right now and currently. Another example of redundancy is the phrase joined together. One word already means something the other word is reinforcing. In this case, just joining does the job, as it implies two or more things are coming together, making the word together unnecessary. Similar instances are falling down and safe haven. When you fall, you always go down, and all havens should be safe. Once you start looking for these, you may find it hard to stop because they're everywhere. Even your lunch may be redundant. Tuna fish, anyone? This doesn't mean repetitive words are never useful. When used appropriately, they can act as a way to emphasize a point, prevent misunderstanding, or convey a particular style. But there's a difference between making a choice for stylistic or content reasons and overusing words because you haven't thought through their meaning. That segment was written by Laura Wegman, who is a contributing writer for Varsity Tutors, a live learning platform that connects students with personalized instruction to accelerate academic achievement. And now on to letters of recommendation. It's that time of year again. Seniors are thinking ahead about their impending futures, such as a job, grad school, and the Peace Corps. Former students are advancing their careers. Colleagues and coworkers are engaging in year-end reflection and considering new positions. People are applying for grants, scholarships, and fellowships. And that means letters of recommendation. When a request comes out of the blue during a busy week, our first reaction is sometimes to shudder Yikes, we think, one more task to fit in on top of exams, papers, proposals, committee reports, and the usual slew of email. Task saturation. Sure, letters of recommendation are work, but it's writing that makes a difference in people's lives. If you keep a few principles in mind as you approach your letters, writing recommendations can be rewarding and even enjoyable. First, this letter is not about you. If you've read Julia Schumacher's epistolary novel, Dear Committee Members, you know the comic effect that arises when a letter of recommendation is more about the writer than the subject. Most of us aren't as clueless as her protagonist, but it's easy to slip into too much first person. Letters should focus on the recommendee and their accomplishments, strengths and weaknesses, and potential. There's a time and place for introducing your favorite subject, but not when you're writing the letter of recommendation. So instead of writing something like this, I first met so-and-so when she took my introduction to the English language course two years ago, and I was so impressed with her research and writing ability that I encouraged her to enroll in my advanced grammar course where I have students write an in-depth paper and so on. You might try something like this, So-and-so came to our department two years ago and performed impressively in the introduction to the English language, where she wrote a fine short paper on gender and pronouns. Later, in Advanced Grammar, she wrote an in-depth paper on adjective clauses in written English texts. Oh, and don't start the letter by saying your name. They'll see that at the end. Next, provide some evidence and detail. Try to show as well as tell. It's one thing to extol someone's abilities to communicate, research, or think, but it's even better to be able to say how you know. Was there a standout effort or project? If so, what was unique about it? What was notable about the way the person contributed to class discussions, organizational efforts, or community? How did their efforts go beyond the norm? What are they best at? Next, remember to contextualize. Reference forms often ask simplistic questions, like, compared to all the candidates you have ever known, where do you rank this person? Ugh, who can say, and who keeps track of people that way? For students, try to focus on them as real people, not as some percentage or even a grade point average. Are they juggling work, family, and school? Are they funny, thoughtful, diligent, well-prepared? diffident? Do they know what they want to do, or are they experimenting or even drifting? Are they excited about school, learning, and their possible careers? The same is true for colleagues. Try to put them and their work in the letter. What are they involved in and committed to in your institution or community? Are they tapped for organizational priorities? Are they able to keep their balance while multitasking? Are they ready for this new opportunity now? Be honest, but tactful. The most important part of a reference rests in your ability to be honest about someone's abilities and background. It's a delicate task sometimes, but we do no one any favors if we gloss over weak points. Honesty can be tricky in letters, since readers can't see your face. They can't ask follow-up questions, and they may overinterpret remarks as more negative than they were meant to be. Are you damning with faint praise? If you say, the student is a good writer, will they read, but not excellent? Or are you sending a hidden message? If you write, she often comes up with ideas that no one else considers, maybe the reader will think, perhaps trivial ideas? Or if you write, he has a strong work ethic, will they think, but not much else? Be aware of what uncharitable readers might read into your letter. One strategy that works for me is to link a weakness with a discussion of a complementary strength or other attributes. So, for example, you might find yourself explaining that someone is intellectually ambitious, although sometimes takes on topics that are hard to manage in just one semester. Or that while a person is somewhat quiet in class, her written work shows that she's engaged with the material. Another strategy is to point out to the recipient of the letter what's still needed to make someone flourish. His skills have improved tremendously in a short time, and with further opportunities to develop them, he'll be a solid researcher. Also, give your letter an ambiguity check. I once told an excellent student who was prone to excessive wordplay that I'd write in her letter of recommendation that, quote, you'll be lucky if you can get her to work for you, unquote. I was just kidding, of course, though it's always worth giving letters that final check, not just for typos, autocorrects, and grammatical infelicities, but also for its potential for misreading, like that sentence. You never know what you might have said. Think of recommendations as an opportunity. I've come to appreciate the reflective aspect of writing letters of recommendation. In the day-to-day bustle of work, you may be too busy to think about all of your students and colleagues as people. Writing letters of recommendation is an opportunity to reflect on what people might be accomplishing in the future. It allows us not just to respond to tests, papers, and projects, but to a person's aspirations. So when you get that visit, call, or email asking you to write a recommendation for someone whose work you value— don't think yikes, just say yes. That segment was written by Edwin L. Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University in Ashland, where he's served as a dean and as an interim provost. He's the author of, sorry about that, The Language of Public Apology. This piece originally appeared on the Oxford University of Press blog, Finally, this is episode 500 of the Grammar Girl podcast. 500! As I was thinking about what that means, one thing I realized is that people used to tell me interesting stories about how they listen to the podcast, and they don't seem to do that so much anymore, and I miss it. I'd love to hear them. A couple of weeks ago, I did get a great email from Anna Elzeftaway, who some long-time listeners will remember as the Make It Green girl from Quick and Dirty Tips. She's moved on, but a few weeks ago she wrote, "...I'm writing to you from the middle of the Arabian Gulf. My ship is deployed to the Middle East and we're floating around for the holidays. Needless to say, it's a little boring being at sea for Christmas." And I love pulling into port and downloading all the new Grammar Girl stuff, since there's no cell service in the ocean. That's super cool. Next time she's in port, she'll hear this. So hello, Anna. I asked for feedback on Facebook, too, and Ciara Kasson wrote, Oh, how time flies. I started listening to this podcast when I was in high school. Now I teach high school English, and I reference Grammar Girl quite often. That made me feel both happy and old. It takes a long time to produce 500 episodes. Patrick Keller wrote, My new gig this year as a middle school teacher is teaching music production and technology. I insisted on writing a unit on podcasting, and Yours is one of the podcasts I use as an example and encourage students to find an episode to listen to. Then I let their creativity loose as they produce their own podcasts. That is so neat. Thank you, Patrick. I've heard of other teachers doing the same thing, and I love to think of students creating their own podcasts. I also heard from a lot of listeners who've been with me since the early days in 2007 and 2008 and who came to my book signings or early events. Thank you to every single one of you. That is redundant phrasing, every single one of you, and I did it for emphasis on purpose because you all make me so happy. If you'd like to tell me your story so I can share it on a future podcast, I pinned a post asking for stories at the top of the Grammar Girl Facebook page, and you can post your story there. It's just facebook.com slash grammargirl. Also, thank you to all my guest writers. My assistant Ashley Dodge, who manages me more than I manage her. My producers over the years, the wonderful people at Quick and Dirty Tips and Macmillan. The sponsors and people at PodTrack, Blueberry, and Midroll, because without sponsors, I could not have done this show every week for all these years. All the people way back in 2007 who gave me technical advice on a site called the Podcast Pickle. Candace Jackson, a reporter at the Wall Street Journal, who wrote one of the first articles about Grammar Girl. Candace, I have your article framed on my office wall and Ann Gelfer, a former producer at The Oprah Winfrey Show, who gave me the day of a lifetime. As you can tell, a show and an experience like this doesn't happen without help. Thank you to all those people and more. And please, I do want to hear your stories, so please write them down at facebook.com slash I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening.